Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is the beginning of the spookiest month of the year, Julia. It's October. We are kicking off what is certainly my favorite month of the year, and I know is yours. It's not just because it's your birthday, not just because it's Halloween. I think it's just the general vibes. The vibes are are culminating. It's like it's like tomato season, which we just finished. Like spooky season, we are we are nearing peak. Yeah, no, I really love spooky season. For me, spooky season, I think we've talked about this before, starts with the day after Labor Day and kind of slow rolls into October. So I think that our Hometown Urban Legends episode that came out in September was like a nice little appetizer, a little like wet your palate kind of situation. And this one, this is the full gravy, the the Sunday sauce of the of the scary season. Love it. Amanda, if you, I, I know like October is the spookiest month by far. Do you think there's another month that really like competes with the spookiest month? Or you think that it's just like, it's just October, there's no other attempts at it? You know, I would say for kind of like seasonal depression reasons, it's February, at least mm-hmm. here in the Northern Hemisphere, because, you know, it, it feels like the winter and the darkness is endless at that point. That is just the one thing that slightly concerns me. And I, I do have my birthday at the end of the month, three out of every four years. It is the last day of February. So it's something <laughs> I can look forward to. And even more than it being my birthday, then it's like, oh, OK, March, like stuff is growing, even if they're still, you know, freak snowstorms or cold snaps. Yeah. But that that would be my guess. Like it's spooky in a in a negative way. I, I don't love those kind of, you know, eight hours of daylight type days. Yeah, no, it's spooky in a bad mental health way instead of like a fun, ooh, the season's changing kind of way, which is not ideal. Not ideal. But I think also there's something to be said about November, mm. which is not just like me trying to roll all of spooky season into September, October, November, which I would like to do. Fair. But I think that like when it starts getting like the skeletons of the trees are coming out oh, in yes. early November and stuff like that, and the wind is getting like particularly chilly, but there's no threat of snow yet. That's the kind of like spooky November that I really like as well. Like I can still go on hikes, but I need to bundle up more but it's not going to be like totally gross out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's pretty good. The The light jacket weather is what makes October so nice for me. But November, it's very true. And then partway through, you like lose an hour of daylight. That's brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, it's like November slaps you in the face, then it's the end of the year. So I, I think that's a pretty good contender. And I think part of what makes October so uh, delicious for me is I know it's going to be a bit of a slog for those, those last two months of the year. So I am very, very happy that we have started peak spooky season. We're coming up on a Julia birthday. We're coming up on Halloween. And uh, I want to dive into some urban legends. So Julia, do you have one that you want to start us off with? Absolutely. So the thing about spooky season is one of my favorite activities to do during spooky season is once everyone has like put out their decorations and stuff like that, I like to drive around my neighborhood and check out the decorations and the general vibes. Yeah. And I live in a neighborhood that once upon a time, a lot of rich people would spend a lot of their like summers out here and stuff like that. So while it's not like mansions and stuff like that, there's a lot of buildings that are older that used to be like gatehouse for a mansion or the stables for a mansion and stuff like that. And they all have a very like spooky vibe to them, even though they're not like 
actually haunted. Though, God, I, I hope they are. I hope they are haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Not to uh, mess with the people in those houses, but just like my hope that the vibe that I want to live is real is kind of what I'm going for there. It's kind of like that adage where, you know, you don't want a boat, you want a friend who has a boat. Yes. Maybe this isn't really an adage. It's the thing my dad says all the time. No, I've heard that from people okay. other than your dad. It's okay. <laughs> good, good, good. Good. Um, sometimes you just got to check in on these things, you know? Yeah. But I want like a friendly neighborhood haunting that is not in my house. That sounds perfect to me. So I've been thinking a lot about those friendly neighborhood hauntings. And I just love the vibe of a haunted house in Halloween season. So I found an amazing email from M, she, her, and she has titled it The Neighbor's Haunted House. Perfect. Let's do it, M. Hello, all. I've been marathoning the Hometown Urban Legends episodes of Spirits for a couple weeks, and I'm really enjoying them, even though I am so, so easily frightened. I haven't ever really experienced any spooky happenings firsthand, so this story comes from my mom. My mom grew up in Bend, Oregon, which has been growing in size and population steadily, but at the time that she lived there in the 70s and 80s, the population was only around 15 to 20,000 people. Now, Julia, I'm starting to suspect and frankly accept mm -hmm. that the millennial parents of our Gen Z listeners are kind of our, uh, our our sweet spot here in terms of our Your Urban Legend stories. I'm so about it. So <laughs> one of her neighbor's houses was definitively haunted. Not definitely haunted. Ooh. Definitively haunted, which I love. All right. This house was huge and white, basically a mansion, and several families moved in and out of the house in the time that my mom was growing up. My mom said that in photos of the house, there would be something in one of the upstairs windows, or that people would see something moving in this room. This was one of the guest bedrooms, and apparently no one ever slept there. My mom told me that one time she saw into the room from inside the house and that all of the furniture was completely white and that there was a strange, eerie, and inexplicable white mist that filled the room. Damn. Imagine looking into a room and you're like, wow, it sure is misty in here. Yeah, that would be immediately disconcerting. We also, this apartment has a bathroom fan, which none of my previous apartments did. In New York City, you have to have either a fan or a window, but fans are much better. Mm -hmm. And so I have been living in a room filled with mysterious steam. I mean, I do know where it comes from. It's just annoying. So when I shower and I get out and I'm like, which way is the door, man? Like, that's tough. <laughs> but the fan did get fixed yesterday. So we're we're off to a good start to October. Shout out. Shout, shout out. out to building management. <laughs> shout out sweet Tomas, who drove in from New Jersey to get it done. Aw. She also said that the bedroom had glass French doors, which, at least to me, is incredibly weird for a bedroom, which I happen to agree with. I think that glass French doors, French doors in particular, don't feel very sturdy to me, but glass French doors for a bedroom? Yeah. There's no privacy. There's no privacy. There's no privacy in both of the apartments Eric lived in before we moved in together. He had French doors with like glass panes, like 80% glass, you know, 20% wood. And even though it's, it is a door, it doesn't feel like a door. And uh, he really did not like that. Even if it has like those kind of privacy, like glazes over it or something like that, I feel like you can still see like shadows. So it doesn't feel like there's any sort of privacy whatsoever. And there's something just unsturdy about a glass French door which one i feel like someone could easily break through it or throw them apart very easily and so i'm just like that doesn't it doesn't seem like the right kind of barrier for me and the privacy of my bedroom mm -hmm. 
So she also told me about a raised flower bed that lined the house. And there was an urban legend that someone under it. Grandma Jessie was buried under the flower bed. Called it. Did you ever get told, Julia, when like a tree is growing real nice? Like, ooh, there must be a body buried under that tree. <laughs> From your expression, I'm guessing no. No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I heard that all the time growing up, especially those two trees behind our elementary school, which were like 100-foot oaks. I definitely had many people tell me in the past, oh, yeah, body's under there. That's why it grows so good. Who? I'm not sure. But then later when that was a plot line on either Bones or NCIS, I don't remember which, I was like, fucking knew it, y'all. Fucking knew it. Vindication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know about fertilizer. <laughs> Well, not only was Grandma Jessie said to be buried under the flower bed, but the lights in the house would sometimes turn off without any warning or explanation. And according to my mom, the house's residents that she knew would shrug it off, saying, Grandma Jessie just does that sometimes. Now, I am old enough that I'm like, hmm, maybe you do have raccoons getting into your uh, sub-basement and chewing through your wires, which, you know, is a hazard. But otherwise, Grandma Jessie, that sounds like a fun activity. It's just kind of turning off the power on the new residents when they least expect it. Or it's just an old house and therefore, like, the wiring is bad. And one of the most expensive things you could do to an old house is rewire it. Yeah. So no one wants that. Yeah, no one wants that. Too lazy, too much of an investment, especially if none of these families ended up staying there for very long. Mm -mm. Apparently, Amanda, you're going to love this one. Apparently, the residents would also sometimes find board games opened and set up in the basement when nobody had pulled them out. At least, nobody who was living. All right, Julia, once again, we have to ask ourselves, would you rather have a ghost or a tenant that you are not aware of who does not pay you rent living in your home? And the answer, ghost every time for me. Ghost every time! I would much rather imagine that uh, these are some ghost kids having fun playing Clue or Scrabble or something, and maybe they passed away before the invention of games like, you know, Yahtzee or Hungry Hungry Hippos, and then they get Trouble. to have lots of fun. Trouble, exactly. Yeah. No, I really like that. Like They're playing a the game of life, and they're like, baby, I already beat it. So let me beat it again. What would be both the scariest and not scariest board game to find in a basement that you potentially would play with a ghost child? Okay. Okay. Excellent prompt. Does a Ouija board count as a board game? Hasbro does sell it. So maybe? Because that's that's one answer. But sure. too obvious for me, Julia. Too basic. Mm -hmm. I think the, the real answer, clue. <laughs> yeah. I would start reading into like every knife and candlestick and I don't know any other weapons from Clue that I see around the house and be like, oh There's no, a like, gun, I think. Is this foretelling? Well, I don't have guns around my house, but I do have candlesticks. That's right. uh, and I'm like, oh, would this be foretelling someone's death? I would be extremely freaked out. Yeah, no, that would be the spookiest. I think the most chill one would be Don't Break the Ice. Do you remember that game? I don't think I do. Oh my gosh, it was like a little thing. It was raised off of the board game and there was little plastic pieces of ice. Okay. And you had little hammers and the goal was to like <laughs> knock out the block of ice without them all falling. Okay, so like a Jenga vibe, but horizontal. Yes, yes, that was the vibe. That's really fun. Cute, right? I had the Pretty Pretty Princess game, which was <laughs> less a game. It was really a trend for our batch of 92 babies. Mm -hmm. We got it at a garage sale, and it was missing a couple of the uh, bracelets or necklaces or mm -hmm. earrings from different colors. But God, I loved that thing. 
I used to make my cousin, who was a couple years older than me and also a guy, play that with me all the time. And that's probably the most feminine thing apart about my childhood that I used to do. But man, Pretty Pretty Princess is the least creepy one that you could play with that yeah. ghost child, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Or Candyland. That also just yeah. has a very easy vibe. Yeah, except for that chocolate dude. He's weird. Oh, he is weird looking back on it. That's true. On a somewhat darker and sadder note, so content warning, I guess, if you want to skip ahead about 10 seconds. My mom knew three separate families in that house whose teenage or young adult children passed away while living in the house or soon after moving out. All of these deaths were under different circumstances, and I don't have all of the details, nor do I think it's appropriate to discuss in depth out of the respect to the families. Good call. To me, though, three unexpected deaths is too many to deem just a coincidence. Which, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, man. There's so many reasons people pass away, and sometimes it's all, you know, just the way that life is, and sometimes there's some sort of connection, and sometimes we just look for it. Yeah. You know, to make ourselves more comfortable to find that connection. Exactly. And explain the inexplicable. But I, I got to say, you know, as a pattern recognizing animal, that would be in the back of my brain if that's something that I uh, heard about or knew about. Yeah, for sure. On a slightly lighter note, my mom told me about this house several years ago, and I asked her to tell me again in order to outline the story for this submission. And on a whim, I looked up haunted houses in Bend, Oregon, and we found this house. Whoa, M coming in with the research. Named the Thomas McCann House for the man it was built for. Supposedly, McCann's mother is the figure that haunts that upstairs room, although somebody online found a record that disproved her passing away in the house, which I think, like, again, I don't think necessarily, like, you haunt where you died. Totally. Maybe that was her bedroom originally, or that was where she spent a lot of time. So you can still haunt places that you didn't necessarily die in, which, oh, yeah, that's just hauntings, baby. No one knows the rules. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently, there have been reports of ghost children playing outside. Maybe they're the ones playing the board games. Amanda called it. Love it. I love that. Or perhaps the youthful spirits of those departed kids living on, you know? Yeah. Uh, And there have been other haunted happenings. There isn't a ton of information on the house online, but it's definitely interesting to see that after my mom, her friends, and her neighbors experienced all that creepy stuff, there are other records of those hauntings as well. There are also some recent criminal incidents that have involved the house, but I haven't included them because this isn't a true crime story and people can choose to do their own research. However, I do wonder if the house's haunted history led to some of these actions. Thank you all so much for what you do. Stay creepy and stay cool, both metaphorically and physically, as we get into these last weeks of summer. At this point, hopefully we're very cool in terms of the October season. But thank you so much, Em. That was amazing. That was so cute. Thank you, Em. And thank you and your mom for putting in the work to give us a very complete story. I love research and also like stories from someone else. Those are my favorite combos. The the intergenerational tale of stories is always a plus here on the show. It really is. Uh, But now, Julia, I do have a first person haunting for you. Please. This I thought would would give us a little a little uh, nice vibe uplift as we get toward the back half of this episode. So this comes from Darcy, she, her, and it's titled, The Ghost Just Wanted to Make Sure I Was Cozy. Aww. So Darcy writes, hey guys, longtime listener, first time urban legender. I've been slowly making my way through seven years of Spirits episodes over the last two, and I'm nearly up to date. So I finally decided it was time to share a spooky story of my own. 
Now, I'm very much the kind of skeptic that's always sat on the fence about ghosts and other spooky happenings. My mom and sister have had a huge range of ghostly encounters over their lives and swear up and down that they're real, including, of course, a man in a top hat who haunted our garage. Oh, okay. Got to hear about that, Darcy. Concerning. All right. Concerning. They reveal to each other years later they'd both seen him several times but never mentioned him to anyone else. Just mention it to someone, please. <laughs> I beg of you. Being on Team Ignorant myself, I'm sure glad no one told me while I lived there. I don't know, man. I don't know. Tough. Finding out later seems like such a betrayal, but, you know, that's just me. That's my hot take. Now, I've only had a few minor encounters myself, including unlocked doors that felt like someone was pushing them shut as I tried to open them, as well as a marshmallow thief ghost. Rude. <laughs> but then there was one incident that scared the absolute heck out of me. It happened about four years ago when I was living in a tiny shoebox apartment with my ex. It was about 10 p.m., and my then-partner was in the study playing Overwatch or some other PvP game as I was in bed trying to sleep. I'd been in bed for maybe half an hour but couldn't sleep, which honestly wasn't unusual. I had a lot of stress at that time in my life, and the loud clicking of the mechanical keyboard and sporadic shouting that comes with dating a gamer coming from the room a few meters away wasn't helping. If you're a gamer and you're living with someone else and you play while they sleep, you should not have a mechanical keyboard. That thing should be silent. Silent. You should have, yeah, a silent keyboard or controller for their sleep time. And, you know, you don't have to yell. Listen, we're, we've all been gamers. We've all found a prismatic shard in, you know, like level 30 of the Stardew Valley Desert Dungeon. And we don't have to shout when our partners are sleeping. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. We can do a quiet woohoo. Yes. So I was lying on my back, arms at my side, perfectly still, honestly not even drowsy. Suddenly, I felt the blanket on top of me move up about 10 centimeters or four inches as if someone was tucking me in. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Before it had just been sitting up to my chest, it was now covering my neck. I also want to point out that this person, the way they described it, they sound like a corpse. They're just laying yes. there with their <laughs> arms at the side, staring the at the like ceiling. Folded. Yeah. Um, I can't express this deeply enough. I wasn't lucid dreaming. I was completely awake. I had not moved. Something else moved the blanket. I knew it wasn't my then partner because I could hear him talking to his team from the other room. We lived alone. I'd heard nothing and felt no other movement than the blanket itself. After about a minute of thinking about this, again, team ignorant here, I opened my eyes to see that there was no one there and the bedroom door was still shut. I got out of bed, did a sweep of the entire apartment, checked all the doors were locked. They were. There was no one home but us. That's not team ignorant if you're going to investigate and do a sweep <laughs> of the apartment. I think she, Darcy, like, reached the edge of team ignorant. Okay, okay. As you can expect, didn't get much sleep that night, but I never encountered anything else like it in the apartment or anywhere else since. I like to think I was haunted by a lovely old grandma ghost who just wanted to make sure I was snug and cozy to help me sleep. I'm just glad she didn't try to sing me a lullaby. Oh, that would be terrifying. I'm hoping that's the last of my spooky encounters. I much prefer listening to you guys read them while I'm in broad daylight than experiencing them myself. Creepily and coolly, Darcy. Thank you, Darcy. Also, Darcy, um, I need to... This is not a relationship advice podcast. That's not what our thing is. Sure, sure. We got to get you like a white noise machine or something like that. You shouldn't have to sit there and just listen to someone going, uh, okay, uh, Pharaoh, go that way and attack the base <laughs> on that side. Girl, very true. You, 
you don't deserve that. You deserve to be able to go to sleep whenever you want. Well, sounds like she's uh, onto greener pastures now. So, uh, Darcy, thank you for the legend. And if you, uh, your mom and sister, ever want to summarize their experiences with a top hat man, if he's a dog, maybe trench coat, we got to figure it out. I got to find out about his dog or trench coat or bowler hat or anything. Like, what's what's his deal? Is he part of the lore? We got to know. Well, we'll ponder whether or not that character, the Top Hat Man, is part of the lore. But first, Amanda, why don't we quickly grab our refill? Let's do it. Hey, it's Julia. And welcome to the refill. First things first, we have to, of course, welcome our newest patrons, Anna and Ren. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Patreon. You join the ranks of people like our supporting producer level patrons Alicia Ann, Ginger Spurs Boy, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane, Nieselkins, Lily, Matthew, Nathan, Phil Fresh, Rico, like Captain Jonathan, Malachi Cosmos, Sarah, and Scott, and of course, our legend level patrons Ariana, Audra, Bex, Morgan H., Sarah, and Bia Miepska. And you too can sign up for our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash spirits podcast and get cool stuff like ad-free episodes, recipe cards for every single gosh darn episode, both cocktails and mocktails, and so much more. Check it out at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. Of course, I also love to give you all a recommendation. So my recommendation for you this week is, hey, do a spooky double feature movie night with some of your friends. I recently started doing this with a couple of our friends who live nearby, and we basically get to surprise each other. We pick a topic. We surprise each other with our movies based on that. So for example, this week was Creature Feature, and then we each make a surprise cocktail that is based on the movie that we picked. It is so much fun. It's a great way to like get into the spooky season vibe and to share things that you like with your friends. And that is honestly one of my favorite things in the world to do is share things that I like with my friends and share things that they like with me. It's it's the best. Speaking of sharing things that I like with you, our listeners, have you checked out Join the Party yet? Join the Party is an actual play podcast with tangible worlds, genre-pushing storytelling, and collaborators that make each other laugh each and every week. DM Eric and empathetic players Amanda of this podcast, Brandon, who also, like, sometimes edits this podcast, and me, Julia, welcome everyone to the table, from longtime tabletop RPG players to folks who have never touched a role-playing game before. You can hop into our current season, which is a pirate story that is set in the world of plant and bug people, or you can marathon or complete stories with The Camp Pain, which is a Monster of the Week game that's set in a weird summer camp. It's very good for spooky season. Campaign 2, which is a modern superhero game. And then Campaign 1, which is like a very classic high fantasy story with a lot of gay elements. And once a month, we also release The After Party, where we answer your questions about the show and how we play the game. So what are you waiting for? Pull up a chair and join the party. Search for Join the Party in your podcast app or go to jointhepartypod.com. We are sponsored this week by Hero Forge, and Hero Forge is a free-to-use online character design application. You can create and share your unique designs using their in-depth character creator tools and order customized tabletop miniatures that truly represent your characters for your tabletop RPG games. You can unleash your creativity and start designing today. They offer a genre-spanning library of thousands of parts, sliders, customization options, and 
color design tools to empower your creativity. So whether you prefer to start from convenient presets or fine tune your character feature by feature, Hero Forge makes it easy. And with fresh content added every Tuesday, there's always something new to spark your imagination. And best of all, designing, saving, and sharing characters is completely free. And if you play online, Hero Forge also offers a option for purchasing 3D asset bundles for 3D virtual tabletop applications. And it's all super easy to use and designed with the online and tabletop gamer in mind. So what are you waiting for? Visit heroforge.com to start designing your custom miniature today and check back often because new content is added every week. We're also sponsored by Ravensburger. Indulge in the timeless pleasure of assembling Ravensburger's extraordinary jigsaw puzzles. Ravensburger's premier quality puzzles are crafted with meticulous attention to detail, bringing you an unparalleled puzzle solving experience. And with a rich heritage dating back to 1883, Ravensburger puzzles have become an integral part of families' lives across generations. You can share the joy of puzzling with family and friends, knowing that your cherished puzzles will stand the test of time. Enjoy a mindful moment and immerse yourself in a world of captivating colors, stunning imagery, and intricate designs that will delight people of all ages. Regardless of your preferences or skill levels, you'll find a jigsaw puzzle that suits you perfectly, thanks to the wide range of imagery, themes, and piece counts available. You can start small and work your way up to their over 40,000 piece jigsaw puzzles. Are you up for that challenge? I don't know if I am, but some of you probably are, especially Amanda. She loves puzzles. So you can shop Ravensburger online at Amazon today. That's Ravensburger's puzzles, and you can find them on Amazon. And finally, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? I certainly know that my brain is sometimes my biggest enemy, the biggest liar to me personally. And it's really difficult to convince yourself that your brain is not being truthful to you. And it's like, you know what you should be doing and you know what's good for you, but you just can't figure out how to convince your brain of that as well. But I think that therapy is a great way of helping yourself find what is holding you back so that you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. You and your brain should be working together. And that's something that I've been working with my therapist on for a really long time. And you know what? It's tough, but you know, it gets easier every time I talk to her about what's going on in my brain, the best way of convincing myself, hey, this is okay what your brain is telling you is wrong. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com spirits today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com. H-E-L-P dot com slash spirits. And now let's get back to the show. Climate change is going to require collective action. But how can individual actions make a difference? On a new episode of Life Kit, we're walking you through what sort of climate-friendly choices can make an impact in your life and the lives of others. Listen to Life Kit, part of NPR's Climate Week, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Amanda. Julia, what is it? It's pumpkin beer season now. Yes! I fully saw these in the stores in August, and I was like, man, I can't be mad about this. I did buy my first pumpkin beer in early September. As you should. I feel confident in saying. You know what? I want them for when I am ready for the pumpkin beer. So while I bought it in September, not being quite ready for pumpkin beer. Yes. Now it's in my fridge. It's cold. It's ready to go. I don't have to fight people at the store for it. I have my pumpkin beer. I love that for you. Is there one specifically that you've been enjoying? I know you love the Blue Point Imperial Pumpkin. I do. I do. And we still have some left over from last year because we got two (laughs) cases worth because they were doing a $20 case sale. So I still have a couple of those left. You can't say no to that. But man, do I love the pumpkin. And every time I drink one, I do forget that they are 8%. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like three in. I'm like absolutely going nuts. But yeah, it's my favorite out of all of them. How about you, Amanda? I've been like squeezing the last drops of summer out of summer beers. And one that you procured for us uh, last time I was out in your neck of the woods, you were away. I picked up tomatoes and then I picked up beer, which is the Ruby Red Kolsch from Genesee Ale. I was able to find another case at that incredible distributor that you love so much. And uh, I am finishing her off thinking about summer's days past and grateful for the fall. I recently, uh, Jake is in a band now, and they were having practice at our house, and one of the guys really loves the dogfish head citrus squall, which your husband turned me on to, and mm-hmm. I felt so bad because we had practice, and I was like, oh, we're out of them. And he's like, that's okay. I'll just have a white claw. I'm like, no, Sammy, I'll go to the store and get it for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, really, it's okay. So he's a little sweetie. But um, I love having, like, when I have people over having their like favorite beer on hand is one of my favorite like hosting pleasures it's the best it is it is well julia do you know who i would be most nervous to host in my apartment just like in the world a celebrity oh a celebrity i feel like mm-hmm. it would be like padma lakshmi or something like that so close gordon ramsay oh yeah and when I saw an urban legend come across the horn that mentioned Gordon Ramsay, I simply had to read it. So Interesting. we are going to enjoy this message, which is titled Team Investigate versus the Phantom in the Lake District from Solo Toweo. Any pronouns? All right. All right. So Solo writes, hello, my collective lovelies. I hope you're having a great day. I'd always wanted to share one of my encounters with you, but never thought to send you one until a recent urban legends brought up Team Investigate versus Team Ignorant. Now, me being a strong advocate for Team Investigate, as the subject line suggests, I had to write in. Excellent. So in my family, we have a bit of a trend for having what I call dream sight. And while normally it means you get to meet interesting spirits, even though I've had ones grab me in my sleep before, I assure you most of them are nice and have crazy ass dreams like past life things, clairvoyance and the like. No matter how nice most of the spirits are, when they start grabbing you in the dreams, that's be like, all right, we're shutting this down. This is not happening anymore. That makes me a little nervous. One one bad spirit ruins it for the rest of them. Yeah, they really do. And like, I really appreciate how... Um, not like a daisical, but casual solo is about describing their dream site, but sure. uh, good, good Lord. So there was one incident which happened to me at the end of June 2021 that's always stuck with me because it was the first time I encountered an evil spirit that had been mm. bound in place by someone else. 
end the first time I've interacted with something of that strength following me for several days to its own ends. Seems bad. Seems, Seems bad. like not a good time. There's a journal entry that I'll send you so you can refer to the relevant drawings and impressions as I had them at the time, which I'll expand on a bit in this email. Okay. Incredible. Wow. Multimedia. Here we go. Primary sources. So I was on the crew for a Gordon Ramsay TV show at the time. <laughs> and <laughs> was this, sorry, this was a dream. No, I, I think this was real. No, this is real? Okay, wow, damn, okay. I think so. All right, l- let's decide when we get to the end. Okay. I think this is true. So I was on the crew for a Gordon Ramsay TV show at the time, and I was transported up into the Lake District for filming. Now, uh, for folks who are not from England, Lake District is the English border with Scotland. Kent is over a 300 miles south. Okay. That is very relevant for what's going to happen in the story. So Solo was in the Lake District, and then Kent, another location, is 300 miles south from there. Okay. On our first day of filming, I went for a walk through some fields in the evening before we started work. There was this tree in the middle of the field, oak if I remember correctly, and as soon as I looked at it, I had the distinct impression it was looking back at me. Now, I dismissed this as me being tired and the fact that the tree top was shaped like a massive eyeball. And so it makes sense if I kind of get the impression that it's staring at me. What? Oh, that's spooky. I don't like that. Right? Like a very spherical tree? Mm -mm. Seems unusual, especially in the middle of a field. If it's like in a botanical garden, I get it, or like a topiary, but... Yes, where it could be manicured, not in the middle of a field. Yeah. It wasn't until the second evening when I went back to wander the same fields that I realized what was going on. And as an avid member of Team Investigate, I thought the only reasonable thing to do would be to walk up to the tree and touch it to see if anything happened. Okay. I am also Team Investigate, and I think that's probably fine. It's just a tree, and everything's probably just okay. You know, you're not trying to cut the tree down. You're just touching the tree. It's really interesting the arbitrary sort of borders that my mind decides to put up because my instinct here is, oh, don't touch it. But you can go near it. You can look (laughs) at it, peer at it, sniff at it. It feels like, I don't know, if this tree is like the one that's in my mind, then I I feel like I might get sucked into something as soon as I touched it, you know. Mm, Some fey shit, yeah. I decided to touch the tree with an open mind to hear if there were any impressions that I was getting from the tree. The following is a direct transcript of what I wrote in my journal at the time. Okay. The first day I arrived, I went for a walk in the field behind the hotel and discovered a presence. When I saw the strange tree, I felt a design in non-terrestrial space. The second day, I discovered the source, a strange weed growing beneath a second tree that was unlike any other plants around, grown large. When I first saw the source across the field, I perceived it as a man lying on his side, overlooking the field and myself. The source sat beneath a tree that resembled a large eye overlooking the rest of the forest, the one spotted the previous day and a second darker than the rest. Mm. This is some ominous narration going on. I don't like... Cicillo continues... An interesting thing to note right now, this is the first time that I had decided to actually open my mind to a non-physical presence that I could sense was clearly present in a physical space. Not recorded in my journal was the fact that it felt as though it had been there for centuries. Unfortunately, it's not an exact science, but I felt like I could feel it was there deeply. Back to the journal, I wrote, The spirit followed me to Kent, 
where I discovered my hotel room door wedged ajar, and where upon my return to London, a similar incident occurred with my front door, save that I heard it open this time in the night. Mm. I rarely see Julia this disconcerted by a, an urban legend. I don't like this. <laughs> this is bad. You're going to unleash a, an ancient god or something like that. It's a bad idea. Strangely missing from the journal is the fact that when my door did open, it slammed shut soon after and was soon followed by the slamming of every single door in my flat. There are five doors other than my bedroom door, which is the only one that hadn't swung open and slammed shut that day. Okay. Quoting from the journal again. Then encountered on Monday when I picked up a canned Diet Coke, which instantaneously exploded. Good. Great. Definitely not a problem. Spirit has been mostly quiet in the days since, and I believe it to have been a serpent spirit or a dark one that had taken that form. Addendum, loud banging on the walls, illustrating the weed's face. What? <laughs> Tough. So the like, what? the dark spirit was like an overgrown weed, you know, coming out, growing from a second tree. And uh, didn't think it had a face. I was going to say, was it appearing in her walls with the banging? The image of the, oh, fam, no, bad, bad. Tough, tough. So and again, the hence the geographical note, that's more than 300 miles. That's a that's a big that's a big distance to cross. That thing travel with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Solo continues. The only thing I can assume made the spirit go away is that when it exploded the can in my hand, it might have been trying to attack me, as I only held it lightly at the time. And when the can exploded, the metal bent itself into blades that barely missed cutting my hand. I happened to have picked up the can from the very top, and so when they, it exploded outward, it went away from my hand and not into it. I figured the spirit may have been annoyed at not having stabbed me and kind of packed it in, gave up, it wasn't scaring me enough, hadn't been able to do anything with its energy. You're like, this one's no good. This is, I'm not getting any vibes off this one. Gotta go. Find a yeah. better victim. I can only hope that it's weakened since our confrontation and doesn't attack anyone else, as I haven't had a reason to go back to the Lake District since and burn the weed. Fam. Fam. Julia, is this the best idea that Solo's ever had or a terrible idea that he's brought up here? It seems like a terrible idea. And also, like, you're only up there to film a Gordon Ramsay TV show, question mark. So mm -hmm. maybe we shouldn't be returning back there to burn things. Let someone else who's local do that. Or maybe they're not doing that for a reason. Maybe it was supposed to stay there. Part of me really likes the idea of like eradicating the, you know, evil spirit that you can feel. Part of me is like, y'all don't attract it again. <laughs> Don't touch it. Don't touch it. You're going to, like, cause some sort of weird famine for that town because you yeah. you tried to destroy their god. So Solo concludes by saying, If this spirit is as ineffectual an opponent as it was in our encounter, I think it won't be able to hurt any non-sensitives if they come across it. If someone does have the touch, then I think they'll have the skills to ditch it as well. Or the opposite, because, like... You know, you probably have some sort of psychic barrier or defenses from years of experiencing spirits. And other people who don't have that kind of experience probably will get super overwhelmed by what you experienced. I'm not sure because I think, Julia, you're you're totally right to, like, worry about that. But also, like, Solo, you know, opened their mind to this and sort of, like, was investigating and sort of invited it up, mm. which seems like their read on why this happened this time. But imagine you're just like a person 
who doesn't experience spirits. Amanda, imagine that for a second. I know that's... A, uh, yeah. like, like myself. Now, you probably go through the world... I think it's either two ways. Either people who don't have the sight or the touch or whatever go through the world with very open minds that can be influenced by these spirits because they don't know any better. Mm. Or they go through with very closed minds and, like, don't know to open them up or have the ability to open them up. Yeah, I can't, like, engage with it. Exactly. So I think if it's the former rather than the latter, that thing could be a problem. Yeah, but then wouldn't we all just be like open targets for manipulation at all times? Maybe we are. I mean, there are people who theorize that that's just what mental illness is. And like, I don't agree with that, but that is like a theory that is out there. So I thought you were going to say uh, capitalist like death drive, which is also a thing. I mean, that too. <laughs> but I also think that might be filed under mental illness. So Fair. what can you do? <laughs> I say as someone with several mental illnesses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're we're talking in and out of the community. Yeah. All right. So Solo concludes by saying, I'm not sure if this is a tick in the column and a win for Team Investigate, but I'll count it as one because it fucked off after a few days of failed torment. Signing off while staying creepy and cool. Solo. Maybe just powerful. Solo, you might just be powerful. And like, I you love that for powerful, you. just be powerful, y'all. But I worry for everyone around you. Solo, I'm glad you're okay. Thank you for writing in, and goodness gracious, I want to hear if there's ever an update. I just know what that episode of Gordon Ramsay was. <laughs> yes, if you could privately tell me the episode of Gordon Ramsay that this was, I would gladly watch it. Yeah, I would like that very much. Amanda, how about we close off with a blood curse? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So this is from Inda, and she writes, Hello! As much as I don't want to call myself so, I fall into the category of Cursed Blood by Spirits Team. Okay, great. We Indonesians are very superstitious, and this fact might be one of the factors as to why there are a lot of paranormal encounter stories in Indonesia. You know, because many people believe it exists, then it might really embody itself or establish its presence, which I think is, is very true. If you think that something exists, you're more likely to look for it and find it there or rationalize that that's a thing. Mm -hmm. My earliest paranormal encounter, I remember, was as early as kindergarten, and I didn't even realize that it was a ghost encounter until I was in junior high school. And my earliest lucid dream experience was when I was in junior high school. I'd had lucid dreams every now and then, almost daily starting from junior high until the age of 20-ish. And what? I'm glad to say, I know, that's a long time. Oh, that's not restful at all. No, no, your brain was awake for a lot of that, probably. Oh, no. But she says, I'm glad to say that I don't experience lucid dreams in present days as often anymore. Still occasionally, I guess, but not every day, which is good. That is good. Since I have tons of paranormal encounter stories from the most innocent and heartwarming to the near-death experience, I'll start with the easiest one, and that was my encounter in my kindergarten days. Otherwise, it's going to be a book to spill all the stories like chicken soup, I guess. Well, we can absolutely have future installments, but I like that you're easing us in. Thank you. Yes. So the story goes, when I was in kindergarten, it was only recent that McDonald's had just opened their retails in Sarubaya, Indonesia, and it was my brother, mom, and I's favorite restaurant that we visited weekly on Saturdays. I think this was about 25 years ago since I'm 30 now. McDonald's still had their customized burgers and fries chairs and permanent installed tables so we could still play at their gigantic playground while eating. Do you remember the uh, McDonald's play place, Amanda? 
I remember the play place. I was never allowed to go in it because my mom Damn. was afraid of the germs, probably rightly. <laughs> but I am now looking at photos of the McDonald's chairs. I don't remember these at all. They're, they're like little burger stools. I would be so afraid to sit on them. Sit oh, on no. Eyes. You'd be like, oh, no, I would squish. No, no. Yeah. Well, I was definitely occasionally allowed to run into the play place but then my parents would be like girl we've been here for like two hours get the fuck out <laughs> all right take a look at these little stools julia take a look at these boys oh my god yes let me look at these yes look take those me. little friends oh no these are so cute <laughs> i kind right? of i feel like i kind of remember these maybe maybe, maybe. i'm not sure I have to say, I can't imagine as an American the absolute fucking hype of seeing something for the first time that you've only ever seen in movies. Like the closest I've come is like, you know, uh, California or like the Hollywood sign. But after hearing about McDonald's actually going, I feel like that would be amazing. Yeah. I feel like that would be like going to London and seeing one of those like big double-decker red buses. I'd be like, oh, that's the bus. That's the bus that's in all the movies. <laughs> exactly. That's a great reference. Inda continues, the playground was designed tall with lots of climb up or down tunnels. And I remember the facade was 100% net slash fabric surface with lots of holes so that the adults accompanying the children could check on their kids from afar. Sure. I don't have and I can't find any photo of that specific playground, but I will draw a sketch as best I can. Being an active kid that I was and hated eating, I used to have just one bite of chicken and then run off to the playground and played, then ran back to the table to have another bite, and the cycle would go on for perhaps two hours. <laughs> you called it. Again, understandable. My mom was very patient that we'd done this every week. <laughs> That's fair. Also, I mean, fair enough to kill some time on a Saturday. Your mom could probably read a book or something. And yeah. 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 I'm sure she was like checking in on you, but was like doing other stuff for those two hours. Like it was probably relaxing to just have you guys running around a playground for, for two hours for her. Love it. Then one Saturday during our regular visit, I was at the table getting ready to run off to the playground when I saw a girl around my age sitting down at the top left corner of one of the playground room spaces. She was sitting right behind the hold fabric wall and was staring at me. I remember she had black non-braided pigtail style hair just a bit past shoulder length. She was wearing a blue-white dress, a sling bag, and was covering the mouth and nose with a tissue. But the strange thing was, whenever I visited the space from inside, the space was always empty. And when I was sitting at the table looking at the playground, she was always there. Still, I thought innocently that I could play with her because my brother had always been so sociable and was always able to make new friends wherever. So I thought, this is my chance, which is so cute. Wow. It's so cute being like, there's a girl. I can't seem to find her when I go in there, but she keeps looking at me. So maybe I could be friends with her. Uh, to be a four-year-old again, Amanda, and like not have all of that anxiety around making friends. Seriously. The following week, I remember asking my mom that I wanted to wear a sling bag, a dress, and even wanted to cover my mouth and nose to copy her style because I really wanted to make friends with her. But as you all guessed, the same thing happened like the previous week, where the room was always empty whenever I visited the space, but she was only visible when I was afar. 
I don't quite remember whether the situation occurred on three consecutive Saturdays or only two, but I don't want to exaggerate, so I'll say it only happened two consecutive Saturdays. Thank you. The journalistic integrity here I genuinely appreciate. Appreciate it. I had always been scared of ghosts when I was younger, but I was too little to realize that it was probably a ghost that I saw at the McDonald's. I finally believed that it was a ghost when I was in junior high school after a lot of paranormal encounters happened to me and after I learned that actually most of my family and relatives were sensitive people Hmm. to those unseen entities that have not been bound by atoms. I like that description for it. Yeah, well said. So the story about the McDonald's is, it was located inside a shopping mall that used to be a hospital. No! And this used to be a hospital story was not a legend because people who knew about the hospital are still within like 100 years of now. So the hospital did have a high reputation as a haunted hospital where there was a story of a dead nurse who was squeezed by the elevator door. This one's an urban legend, so I'm not sure about the accuracy. Sure. But then everything clicked because the girl was covering the nose and the mouth. So thinking about it now, she was probably a patient and perhaps she was lonely that she wished she could play. I'm not really sure. Oh, well, then she picked a really good place to reside. I know. She was like, whoa, this place looks fun and not like the hospital that I used to have to be in. Great. So that was the story of my first encounter with a ghost. Not scary, a little bit innocent instead. I'm still thinking that maybe that girl did want to befriend me, but since I'm not, quote unquote, that gifted, I couldn't see her up close or communicate directly with her. And of course, I don't wish that I have the, quote unquote, gift of life. Hope to write more about my experience with you anytime soon, Spirits team. Love you all and wishing you all happy and healthy always. Oh, thank you so much. That was so sweet, so cute, just a little spooky to round us out at the end here. What a good vibe. Thank you so much for writing in. Yeah. Oh, that was cute. I wanted to end on a, a slightly adorable note rather than too spooky. Uh, And Julia, don't worry. I know it was on your mind, but you can buy six of these vintage McDonald's character chairs, two Grimace, two Fry Girl, and two Hamburger Cheeseburger for $6,300 plus shipping on eBay. I was hoping that it would be like a much more reasonable price. Not that I need those in my house. (laughs) Not that I want those in my house. But the idea that I could buy them is always good. But that, mm -mm, no good. Yeah. When I clicked on it, I'm like, huh, if I've had a garage sale and I saw this for like 10 bucks... I would buy it first and figure out where to put it later, frankly. (laughs) I really like the pile of cheeseburgers that you just sent me. That's really something. I know. They're really cute. He also says that the, or the seller says that some of the chairs weigh 25 pounds each and some of them are like 10 or 15, which is heavy for a chair. Yeah. And I've got to imagine that the burger pile is is the heaviest we're going for here. Yeah. I imagine, does that mean it comes with the metal pole that attaches it to the floor or is it just the chair part and I have to mount it myself? The ones I'm seeing do have the pole, so it can okay. go into any, like, two-by-two two kind of socket. Okay, so I could put it in my finished basement at my tiki bar eventually. It's true. It's true. Got it. That seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> well, folks, you can't claim you don't learn things here on this podcast. But thank like you all. Like the price of McDonald's. Exactly. Chairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you all for writing in, those of you who have. We are definitely taking more urban legends. It's a good time to write in, a good time to have your legends read. If you want to include photos of your uh, journal entries or, you know, uh, childhood McDonald's's, you can email us directly, spiritspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to fill out our form, 
form, you can do that at spearspodcast.com and click contact. Now, Amanda, next time you are having a single bite of chicken nuggets before you run off to the McDonald's play place, stay creepy. Stay cool. Stay cool. 